You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribe Supper, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Dom Shaw and Craig Johns. Gents, the playoff dream is over. Still probably uh, mathematically possible, but given the defeat to Bournemouth, we'll start with you, Dom. You were down there. You know, it's focused now on, on what can be achieved next season. Yeah, Warnock was asked about that in his press conference this morning, and I think he said he's got one and three-quarter feet in next season and half a toenail in the remaining games of this season. So if that... If that isn't pretty telling, that kind of focus has shifted. Um, we said before the Bournemouth game, didn't we, that this that this week was going to be the, um, the, the the telling week. And when you look at results elsewhere, if you know the point against Watford was fine, but that Bournemouth game that was the one. Um, you know, if you'd have won that, you then go to Barnsley tomorrow with a real opportunity. But I think um, if if you look at the way it's the form isn't it there's no momentum so there's at Warnock said himself this morning you just can't see Borough being able to string together a, a run of wins that get them that get them in now and they've got injuries Tavernier Fry uh, this is a positive start to the pod isn't it um, so I think I think yeah it's, it's clear now that, that attention is focused what Greg Greg wrote this earlier this week I think the end of the season is still pivotal because next season almost starts now and you only have to look at Barnsley and their success this season. I know obviously they've got a different manager now because Gerhard Struber left, but they've very much picked up on the momentum of their great escape last season when nobody gave them a chance to stay up in the dying seconds of Brentford, uh, when Brentford obviously blew it. And, and their kind of momentum and, and spirit and feel-good factor went into this season and they've obviously gone on to do things that that nobody expected. So, so I think it's important that Borough finish well. 100%. I mean, as you, you've alluded to there, you just have to look at Barnsley as the example. And I guess also you've got players playing for their future as well. So hopefully that'll come into into you know the, the play of things towards the end of the season. People playing for new contracts or playing to impress the manager who we now know is going to stay. Craig, for all Warnock is kind of, alluded to there in the press conference that the focus is pretty much on next season. What do you think is important going into the final few weeks, months of this campaign? Yeah, I think as you just uh, mentioned there, it's it's kind of proven your point to, to Neil Warnock. He's obviously committed to staying next season. We know he's going to be there. It's now up to certain players. I mean, there are a core group of players who we know are going to be important players next season. The likes of Grant Hall, Dale Fry, Marcus Tavernier, Johnny House, and players like that have, have played their way into the plans next season. We know they're going to be important. Mark Bowler, another one you'd put in that category. But there are still many others who, with six games left this season, still have something to prove. And, you know, we look at things like Burroughs' consistency this season, and, and that comes down to a lot of the time individual errors and just sloppy little moments now next season the Watford game for me was a clear 
kind of viewpoint of that where for 87 minutes Borough were really really solid and really really strong against uh, probably well certainly since the turn of the year the best team in the championship that's that's proven by the fact that Watford have picked up more points than anybody else and scored more goals uh, in 2021 um, and, and yeah I mean Borough didn't really have much of an attacking threat that year but they were solid and bar the three minutes where things went a bit hasty when Sam Morsi first went off injured. Uh, Borough were really solid, but next season when Borough want to take it to the next level, they want to be challenging for the top two. They can't have that crazy three minutes because teams like Watford will punish them as they did. Uh, and, and that's the difference between one point and three points. And, and of course, that'll be the difference, you know, picking up an extra two points every few games next season will be the difference between Borough being where they are now in the table and being, you know, challenging for the top two and challenging for automatic promotion, which is ultimately what, what Borough want to do. So, and, and that's why there's particular players in that squad who in these final six games need to, need to find some consistency and need to prove to Neil Warnock that they can be relied on and they can be consistent. Because as Warnock said in the past, the only way to, to you can't coach consistency. Essentially, he said, you know, if 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 players can't show a level of consistency, then he'll have to go out and sign better in the transfer window. And so, for many of the players in the squad, the last six games is about you know proving their reliability. Essentially, what about Warnock though? I mean, you've mentioned we've mentioned there how you know the focus looks like it's going to be on next season, but he doesn't strike me as the kind of person, even with very little to play for will take his foot off the gas because surely he will be laying the message down to those players who need to prove a point that this is now your time, whether it be fringe players, youngsters coming through the reserves. You know, surely this is now the time he'll be delivering the message that go out there, prove to me that you deserve to be in this first team squad, new contract, whatever it might be. Um, do you think the message he's kind of delivering out to the public is probably a little one, a little bit different to the one he's, he's seeing in-house? Yeah, I mean, Clint, Clinton Morrison said before the game on, on Sky on Monday that um, although he'd written off the, the, the top six hopes, the message in the dressing room will have been very different and he'll have been saying that it was still very much alive. But I'm not I'm not sure that that, that is the case because I think it's been clear, um, I might be way off the mark there, but, it, but it's been clear for a few weeks. Um, or there's certainly been hints, there's been strong hints since, since Warnock agreed his extension that his focus was on next season. A lot of the talk has been about the players who he wants um, to, to, to be stronger next season after the Swansea game and all the controversy. The first thing he said was, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be that good next season. We won't need refereeing decisions to go away. So there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of talk of that. And in, in terms of players proving a point, I think the message has been quite mixed there because after Bournemouth, when I asked him that question, um, you know, is it now a challenge for the players to show you that that uh, they, they should be part of your plans for next season? He said that um, I'm pretty much already set for next season. I know what I want. Um, there's not going to be a mass exodus. We know that. He said a few times there's not going to be a, an overhaul, although we know there's certain positions that he wants to strengthen and really how many players he wants to bring in in terms of new players will depend on what happens with the low needs. But then this morning, he said that... Um, he wants to see a bit more desire from one or two players. And in the last seven to 10 days, uh, one or two things have changed in his mind. So um, I don't think it's the case of the seven or eight, nine players fighting for their Borough future. Um, 
But what he did say, uh, Craig had asked him this morning about the future of like Lewis Wing, for example, who's out on loan. And, and he talked about how quickly things can change in football and how there are countless examples of his time as a manager where he's, he's almost written the player off and then they've come back for pre-season or they've had a spell in training that's changed their mind. Um, when you look at the squad, I mean, I've written a few times in the, in the week about fringe players getting an opportunity. But then, and I don't know what you think, Craig, I don't think there really are many fringe players because it's been a tight squad and um, everyone's played a part. I mean, Hayden Coulson's probably the only player who springs to mind in that he's he's always been part of the squad, but he's never really had a look in. And he was the first player Warnock turned to from the bench against Watford on Monday and played him in the number 10 role, which you talked about this morning. Marvin Johnson has been a fringe player in the second half of the season, but he's still contributed alongside George Savile to the most Borough goals this season. So he's played a key part. Um, has been has been in and out recently, but he's still played a lot of football this season. So I don't think there's, there's seven or eight. And then the youngsters, um, they're not so much um, wanting to prove a point, but just wanting to grasp any opportunity they get. We know Warnock won't expect too much too soon from the likes of Josh Coburn or Hayden Hackney or any other youngsters he takes a look at. Um, so I think it's a strange, strange running rate. Yeah, I think there's definite kind of points to what you made there. I think I don't think Borough's squad is really big enough to have what you'd kind of traditionally call fringe players, is there? Like you say, like players who, other than Hayden Hackney, Hayden Hackney would be the one where he's he's always been there among, like you say, the uh, sorry, not Hayden Hackney, Hayden Coulson, where he, he's always been there among the first team squad, but he hasn't really played much. Uh, with the exception of that, like you say, even if it's from the subs bench, most players who are in that squad have, have been getting game time uh, because Borough's squad is so small and, and along the way they've had plenty of injuries so everyone's kind of had to play the part I think I think with Middlesbrough where that line is is a bit different the way you would traditionally put it I think that there's a line where there's there's certain players who are kind of guarantees and they're reliable and you know what you're going to get with them and then there's another group of players who at the moment we're not quite sure what we're going to get from them Jed Spence is a good example of that where one way he can be really good and there is definite potential there and you, you, know, you sometimes forget just how young Jed Spence is but you know, there is other there's games like against Watford where he fell asleep for the goal and, and played Sar on side along with Darnell Fisher. Yeah, you know, you you just don't know what you're going to get with certain Middlesbrough players on particular days. And and that goes into what we mentioned earlier, the inconsistency. And and that is the big thing that's looking forward to next season. Middlesbrough, you know, have to have to be better at they have to be more consistent because that's what a, a promotion winning championship side is. They're the consistent. And, and I think I think Adin he's talked a lot, Warnock, about uh, I think like players twenty six to twenty nine year olds and 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 having that bit more experience. And I think because um, although players like Anthony Dykesteel and Mark Bowler aren't young, you know they're not eighteen and nineteen. The the young in terms of how much football they've played or lack of senior football they've played over the years. Um, so I guess inconsistency, especially this season, which has been so. Uh, the schedule's been so uh, relentless. I think I think it is to be expected. I think one of the things in terms of, you know, as Craig says, it's so hard to coach consistency. I think one of the things, just getting in two or three extra players with with a bit more nous uh, will make a difference. And that was obviously in Warnock's mind in January when he brought in the likes of Cabano and, and Balassi and Mendes Lang. And 
what I, what I think is so strange in the second half of the season is, um, I think on paper, Borough had such a strong January. And Warnock talked a lot about how the uh, Borough would come into their own in the second half of the season. And, and he, he really thought they'd kick on. Um, and, and after the window, everything seemed to be in place to do that. And I think probably Warnock's as baffled as, as the rest of us as to why the season just petered out a little bit as, as it has done. I'm just wondering off the field what the message will be. Obviously, the higher you finish up the league table, the more money you get for your positions. And obviously, with COVID and everything, the more money you get will be welcome to to, to those in the boardroom for the pot as well for the, the summer transfer window. Um, so I imagine while the focus for Warnock might be on the start of next season, uh, Mr Gibson will surely be wanting the, the sides to kick on and finish as high as possible up the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually sure on uh, placings for money in the championship. I don't know if it's really that massive, is it, a difference? Um, I'm, I'm not actually sure. I'd have to check that out. But, um, but yeah, I think more than anything, I think just pride as well. You know, I mean, um, drawing with Watford on Monday with Millwall winning, pushed Borough down another spot and, and Millwall kind of leapfrogged them. And I, I think on, on – I mean – you kind of talk about the league table and it's all about a massive points over the course of the season. So to say that Borough wouldn't deserve to be where they are is is perhaps a silly statement. But I think over the course of the season, certainly they deserve to finish higher than the position that they're, they're currently hold. I think it's been a, a better season than, than, than the kind of position at the minute in the table would suggest. And it would be harsh, I think, if they finished as, as low down as is it 10th that they've dropped to now. And um, I think that would be quite harsh. I think more than anything, these last six games, I think, you know, you go, you go for pride, you go with a view for next season and building that momentum and wanting to take positivity into next season. And, and you know, you just, as you know, professional pride, you don't want to lose games of football. You never want to lose games of football. So you just go out and kind of look at these six games as you know let's 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 give it our all and it might not ultimately lead to anything it probably won't lead to anything but you know then we'll go again next season with that positive momentum uh, behind us Barnsley this weekend then and we've spoken about how they're kind of the example of building on momentum you know they are the surprise package this season Dom just how big of a challenge challenge is it going to be to beat Barnsley this weekend well, Warnock talked at length about this. I, th- I think it's a unique challenge in that the way they play. Their, their manager describes it as vertical football, um, which is uh, basically get the ball forward as quickly as possible and then don't give the defenders any opportunity to settle and then take advantage when the ball's in the in the uh, in in the forward third. And it's worked. It's worked. Yeah, it's worked a treat, hasn't it? You know, nobody. We should never be surprised in the championship. How many times have we said that with Huddersfield and and the Cardiff under Warnock? Countless examples over the years. Um, but Barnsley have been a staggering uh, success story this season. Really, they've, they've clearly got a strategy off the pitch that works. They've got a manager who who come in and has has um, made a, made an incredible impact. Um, what Warnock was talking about this morning, which is interesting, is that if if they don't go up this year. Um, what will it be like next season? Will teams have kind of got to grips with them uh, a little bit and got the head around how they play? Um, but it, it certainly, I mean, a lot of managers from uh, following on Twitter, the guy, you uh, Doug O'Kane, who covers Barnsley, it seems that a lot of opposition managers have uh, 
a lot to say about Barnsley's direct style. Um, but yeah, I mean, you wouldn't find Warnock criticising it because it's it's working clearly. Um, and you'd probably be brave to bet against them going up now and finishing the job because because of the way they're playing, how awkward they are, and the momentum. Um, the, the probably no one, nobody will want to play them in the in the playoffs. Um, they've, they've got the striker Daryl DK, who they signed in January from America, and um, you know might prove me wrong here, but I'd never heard of him before January. I don't know about either of of you two, um, but he's he's been uh, an incredible success for them. And Warnock today described him as the best striker in the championship, which is quite something really when you consider the likes of Ivan Toni and, and the others who've, who've scored goals this season. Um, but he has made a, a huge impact. And it's not too often a player comes in to the championship with no experience of this of this level and this league and, and takes to it as quickly as they have done. I mean, I know Uwe Fuchs did for Borough back in the day, but in the 94-95 season, the championship or Division 1 as it was then was a lot different to, to what it is now. So... There's no doubt that he's the man Borough need to need to shackle and need to keep uh, keep keep under wraps on Saturday. But but as plenty of sides have found out, getting you know doing that is easier said than done. I was just wondering, Craig, how Warner rallies the troops because they've lost against Bournemouth. Their playoff hopes have effectively been dashed. So how does he get them up for this game? Well, I think again, it's it's just all about pride, isn't it? And kind of uh, earning earning your places for next season, proving your points. I think you know, one one loves these kind of challenges. He's he's spoken to Deer in his press conference ahead of the game about you know needing to come up with because Barnsley is such a unique challenge. He's spoken about um, you know needing uh, to come up with a unique plan to deal with them. And you know, Don mentioned mentioned the striker there. I mean, seven goals in in thirteen games. He, he's been absolutely terrific. And you know, should, should Barnsley go up, there's a there's an option in their in their loan deal to buy him. I think it's seven eight million, which says a, a lot about him. And and apparently he's been linked to Manchester United now as well. Which I mean, that's quite incredible, isn't it? To to do that in the Championship and then and then start being linked with with your kind of bigger Premier League clubs. Uh, so yeah, I mean Barnsley are going to be. It's going to be a really, really difficult one, and uh, you know Borough are missing someone like Deal Fry, which I think will be particularly. Um, it'll make the job particularly harder because Deal Fry is your kind of presence. They've got Grant Hall back now, and um, certainly earlier in the season when they'd missed Deal Fry, they didn't have Grant Hall. Having Grant Hall has certainly helped ease the pressure of of, of when they've missed Deal Fry and Deal Fry's presence at the back. But I think certainly tomorrow against a team like a team like Barnsley, I think they could do with both Fry and Hall in there at the back. But of course, Fry out injured, they won't have that. So it's it's going to be a tough task for for McNair. And I asked him about the the strikers as well today in um, in the press conference. Of course, Duncan Watmore started the last couple of games up front, and he's been really energetic. Um, he's, he's clearly not the the kind of big target man striker that that Neil Warnock wants. He's he's not going to be the focal point of the attack, but he does bring energy. He works hard. He, he tracks players down and he presses them. Uh, and and you know he, he could be useful to have in there tomorrow in a sense of that that vertical player that that uh, Barnsley have. What more will work them hard and he'll, he'll stop them or at least try to stop them having the time to kind of pick them passes that they like to to play forward Barnsley. But equally you wonder whether because that ball's going to be going in a lot and, and Burrow might be kind of clearing the lines a lot 
that might need somebody like an Ashley Fletcher, for example, who will be a bit better with his back to goal, holding the ball up and and, and just giving the defence a bit of a bit of reprieve, really, you know, just giving them a bit of a, a break because it's going to be a very long afternoon for Middlesbrough if that ball just keeps coming back at them again and again and again and again, uh, which is kind of what we saw in the first half at Millwall as well. They didn't have anybody up top at Millwall who would kind of hold the ball up in the first half. And, uh, and you know, it was that story there where the, the ball just kept coming back, coming back, and it, it will make it a really long afternoon if you, if you can't stop that from happening. Well, Middlesbrough, second favourites coming into this game then, Dom, and if so... Does that suit them in a, in a way where they where they are not expected to maybe pick up a win and they can sit back and and just draw Barnsley on and then and then you know surprise people? Yeah, I mean I think they are second favourites just because you look at the form and um and and what what both sides are playing for going into this in that Barnsley's playoff hopes are, are very much alive. But but I think Barnsley are winless in three now at home and you do wonder whether um. You know, suddenly they're not the chasers, but they're in there and they're being talked about. And, you know, the focus changes then. Um, the, the glare's very much on them. So you do wonder whether there's an element of of Barnsley just kind of beginning to realise what position they're in and how close they are now. Um, I think Warnock, he's talked to, in recent weeks, What he, I think what he's disappointed about is the fact going to Bournemouth and Watford and and, uh, and then obviously the Barnsley game this weekend, three really tough and different challenges. And Warnock would have loved to have had uh, a full squad available to, to go at them. And um, I mean, he said that he might have five or six players on the bench tomorrow because uh, with injuries, you know, missing Dale Fry and Tavernier, you know, add, add Paddy McNair to that list. And they're probably the three players who, if you asked Warnock who he didn't want to have to go without, they'd be the players. So to, to, to lose both of them has, has obviously been has been huge, um, but 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 Borough have got nothing to lose now, um, and I do I do think Warnock will relish that challenge of going to face a Barnsley side that play like they do. Um, you know whether he has something up his sleeve as such, I'm not sure because his hands are tied uh, in the, the players he's got available. But um, it, you know he'll have studied Barnsley in the last three or four days, and and, and I think he'll be ready for. For what for what they're going to offer, um, and you know if if you if you I mean what's what's frustrating and disappointing is Borough's running on paper after Barnsley is so kind. If they were just two or three points closer, they'd have still been absolutely in this going into the Barnsley game. But you know that's not the thing. Um, as as I said earlier in the pod, I think it's vital that Borough finish well. Um, because I think it just just every there's been a feel good factor around the club this year. Um. And Warnock and everyone associated has done a brilliant job of, of building that on Teesside while the fans have been away. Um, because you know what it's like, as, as much as fans are desperate to get back in, when there's that kind of semi-detachment, it's easy to drift away if, uh, if, if the results aren't good and if you don't like the noises coming out from the from the manager at his press conference. It's been the opposite. You know, we, we we see you only have to look on social media that fans tune in every week to watch what Warnock's gonna say and what kind of one liners or quicks he's gonna come out with. Um so so I think Borough and Warnock have done a great job of of kind of building that sense of, of unity in the town at a difficult time. Um, you just want to maintain that in the final weeks of the season. I think, you know, fans, players, everyone, especially if, if they uh, get a bad result in the next week or two, 
you know, you just want the season out of the way, really, and you want then to start the build up to next season. But you just don't want it to peter out completely in the in the next few weeks. I think I think that's so important. We've mentioned Dyke there, and we've mentioned the fact that Warnock referenced this apparent seventeen million pound buyout. Craig, I suppose that just shows you the kind of money Middlesbrough will need this summer to buy the striker Warnock is is after. Well, I, I think it shows you how difficult it's going to be. I mean, certainly that kind of money, like, we could we could write off Middlesbrough ever kind of putting in that kind of money this summer, Craig. I mean, you know, we the the accounts we we did a podcast at the time about the accounts and, and how difficult the time that had been. That was running up to June twenty twenty, wasn't it? And then, of course, we've now had another year since those accounts that were just released kind of finished, uh, and and that year has kind of been a year of of no fans and, and no revenue that you would normally build from match days. So the, the, the next accounts that come out, which will run up to June uh, 2021, uh, they, they will show the full impact of COVID, um, and which will be, you know, we know not just Middlesbrough, but every championship club and, and probably most clubs beyond the championship as well. It's It's been a really, really tough year. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a balancing act. We all know um, Middlesbrough need at least one striker in the summer and strikers aren't easy to come by but equally you know there's got to be that responsibility because you know too many clubs I feel take the risk of of you know overspending spending money that isn't there and you know for the the financial reward of, of trying to get the Premier League but there's so many clubs trying to do that in the championship and only three teams can ultimately make it uh, so for so many of the clubs who do ultimately overspend they don't get the reward of the risk that they take at the end of it and and ultimately you know that that's putting clubs at risk um I'm not talking about Middlesbrough here. I'm talking about other championship clubs who, who ultimately, you know, their owners are, are, are kind of overspending and for, you know, you, that risk for the reward of the Premier League. And, and when they don't make it, there's a there's a real long-term kind of risk to doing that if you never, ever make it to the Premier League and get those riches. And, and ultimately, these football clubs, are, you know, the, the, the pillars of communities, there's so much more than just a business. Um, to to the communities that they serve. So I think first and foremost, yes, we want to see success on the pitch. We want to see a, 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 you know the right striker come into the club this season. But first and foremost, I think we all want Middlesbrough to continue, you know, existing and never be risked long term financially. So you know, I think that we'll probably be looking. I'm sure at kind of you know. First and foremost, they'll be looking, is there any good free agent strikers available, for example, that might help. Um, you know, we know the the Bristol City striker, Dijau is there, I can never pronounce his name, but he's a free agent and we know Warnock likes him. So, you know, if that one is is one to be done, then that potentially saves, uh, you know, some money. But, um, yeah, it, it does highlight just how difficult it's going to be because if, 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 if the guy at Barnsley is potentially available for £17 million, you know, I mean, they're, they're the kind of figures that you talk about for a striker these days because, you know, essentially the goal just everybody wants a goal scorer and striker and, and they are hard to get. I suppose it's, it's, it has been done before. I mean, you look at how much Adam Armstrong, for example, cost Blackburn and Rovers. It wasn't all that much. I think it was maybe three million, perhaps, something like that. Or Ivan Tony, how much it cost Peterborough. So 
And now how much would you pay for them? You know, they've been linked to Premier League clubs for 20, 25 million. So what I would like to ask, because um, I, I don't know this question, I'm sure Middlesbrough fans would, would like to know the insight. I mean, how well is the scouting system set up to find the next Adam Armstrong or the next Ivan Tony, someone who, you know, can cut it in the pro, in the championship and then, you know, in the long term, we'll probably get a big money move up to the Premier League. I think what Warnock has, has talked, Warnock's talked at length this season about um, everyone pulling in the same direction in terms of now the scout, the, the recruitment team know exactly what he's looking for in the summer, uh, the type of striker he wants. Um, I think he and Borough will look to be shrewd, and, and you know Duncan Watmore is a fine example of that. Um, a player who was who was there and available, and, and Warnock took the chance. And, and I think you only have to look at. Um, I'm not necessarily saying Borough will dip into the lower leagues this this season for a, this uh, summer for a striker, because obviously there's an element of risk there, and you, and you don't know whether they're going to make the step up. But Warnock does have history and experience of, of plucking players from the lower leagues. Nathaniel Mendes Lang's a prime example. I think he joined Cardiff from from Rochdale. Um, you know, he, he, he has... Warnock talks a lot, doesn't he, about eyes, about wanting eyes on the player, as players and, and, and following his instincts. So, although he'll obviously um, be, be want the recruitment team to study the kind of ins and outs of, of, um, of what the players have done over the years and, and, and their background and their character, I think as well, he, he, he likes that in, instinct of what he thinks the first time he watches them or what... Um, or what Kevin Blackwell or Ronnie Jepson thinks. It just kind of that, not necessarily old school, but just um, you know, sending having a scout actually clapping eyes on a player. He talked about Trevor Akpom, didn't he, and the difficulty of kind of signing players from from YouTube videos as such, or from videos which was you know hand forced last summer. And he's talked again about how it's going to be difficult to go abroad this summer because you're not going to be able to go and watch players. So you know, are you going to take that risk? Um, so, so I do think it's just kind of uh, he, he, Warnock knows exactly what he wants, what type of player he wants, and the recruitment team know exactly what he wants, and they've been looking uh, for for months and months now. And, and um, I think Warnock's hope is that we're in a position to 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 make a flying start to the summer window. Although we know from experience, every club knows from experience how how difficult that is. Certainly yeah, I think, different. sorry, just to, to quickly jump in there on, on what Don said as well. I mean, you know, Warnock kind of alluded to it um, a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, where he, he mentioned the recruitment team and the fact that they'd gone to him with with quite a big list uh, of players. And I think he, he probably meant a specific position because he then, what he said was he asked the recruitment team to whittle that down to kind of three or four. So I would imagine what he meant there, because I know there was a few comments after that from Borough fans kind of saying, oh, well, we might need more than three or four players in the summer. But I think I think what he meant was a specific position. So, you know, Borough have this recruitment department, scouting department, and they have all the, the kind of tools, like the video tools and stats tools, et cetera, available to them where they can they can look and they can find hopefully players who will become gems and, and you know who who might be good value for money that can then take a list to to Neil Warnock now specifically that they know what he wants 
Um, and as we see in Warnock, ask them to kind of whittle that down for the best three or four. Because then, as Don says, there's a bit of old school about Warnock where whether it's himself or whether it's Kevin Blackwell or Ronnie Epson, these two, two, two trusted lieutenants who, we, you know, you trust their judgment. They want to then start going out and watching them as, as much as possible. He, he did speak about... Um, I think it was uh, Kevin had, had, that hoped to get him out to Denmark uh, recently to kind of watch a player out there. But, you know, restrictions kind of meant that that wasn't possible. But that kind of shows you how far and wide they are kind of, you know, sort of finding potential players to sign. But I think now, particularly after Tuber Apcom, unless Warnock or Kevin or Ronnie can get out and actually watch them in person, I think they'd be you know, reluctant to, to sign players like that in the summer. Um, and and so yeah, you, you kind of in, in terms of a little overview of how that recruitment works, you know, you've got your recruitment department giving uh, Neil a list of of names for whatever positions he wants, and then and then Warnock's hoping to get out as much as he can, or or for Kevin and Ronnie to get out and kind of see these players and and make decisions that way. And I think that's kind of the easiest way of kind of describing how that recruitment uh, team is now working. Mm, I think I think I think Warnock's um, a, a good salesman in himself as well. Uh, you know, he, he's talked a lot, and I mean, I know you know new signing interviews. Players are bound to say certain things, and and you know they trot out the lines. But but every single one of the signings last summer and in January talked about um, Warnock's record and, and a desire to play for them. And I think when you look back at Warnock's career, he's, he's one of those managers who's had players playing for him again and again. It's clear that um, players really buy into his approach and what he's about and, he, and his um, his personality uh, around the players day to day. So so I think if, if it gets to the stage where Warnock was, to, was speaking to a player, I, th- I think he'd back himself as well to convince them that, that Borough is the right club and that it's the right move. Mm, he's infectious, I imagine, when you get speaking to him. and That's exactly sells. the word I was looking for there. there yeah. you go. Yeah. And he sells the club. And I imagine, you know, he's just, you can't help but feel enthused. And he's obviously very enthused about what's to come. He wouldn't have signed the extension if he wasn't. So it's certainly going to be interesting. And obviously the summer itself, the whole transfer window, you know, they're already difficult uh, times to manoeuvre in. But especially given COVID, then it's going to be even more difficult. So it's certainly going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But we've got a game this weekend. Dom, I'll come to you first. What's your score prediction going to be? Since since we started this pod, I, I don't think we've predicted a defeat yet. Um, so you know what? I, th- I think I think I think Borough might do a job tomorrow. Although I said that at Bournemouth, and look how that. Uh, and look how that turned out. I think 1-1. I think a 1-1 draw. I think a little bit of anxiety might just be setting in at the Barnsley end. And I, and I think Warnock will back himself tactically to go there and, and, and do a job on, on Valerian Ishmael. Um, just, so, yeah, I, I think, I think I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. There we have it. Just before I, break, I just want to ask you about your fish and chips down on the South Coast. Did you find somewhere to go? Well, no. Um, I didn't get... I didn't get fish and chips, but I'll tell you what I did get. Um, I, I, I left the Premier Inn and I, I went there. I thought I'd go for a wander and get some fresh air. And there was a pizza shop just around the corner. But it wasn't it wasn't uh, any ordinary pizza takeaway. It was, you know, like one of the, where it had one of the proper pizza ovens. Um, and it, it was quite a 
classy and cultured. I mean, that may just be the, the, uh, the put it this way. There wasn't a London pizza on the menu. It was a bit more cultured, the menu, which may just be the South Coast way. So I got um, chicken with in marinated chicken, uh, rocket in this uh, beauty pizza and went and sat in a park and I, I had that on the Friday night. Lovely, really. Look at that. But then I remembered that it was Good Friday, and I shouldn't really have been eating meat, but um, but I was starving by that point, and it was belting. Nine quid as well, decent value. I'd definitely go back if uh, if the cherries don't win promotion and we're back there next year. I'd definitely go back. I can see Craig's already excited at that prospect. I'm, I'm salivating at the phone. I mean, that's the highlight, that isn't it? That's uh, a little insight into, uh, into away trips with Dom Shaw. I mean, it's normally a McDonald's for me. That's all I can fit in is a McDonald's. That's uh, living the high life. Yeah, Who's heading down to Barnsley then? And what's going to be on the menu? It was a Craig's breakfast the next morning. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a breakfast. I'm at Barnsley again. Um, it's a, it'd probably be a Weatherby stop going to Barnsley. Oh, you can't be a Weatherby stop. I know that's only an hour down the road, but anyone who's been on an away trip with me on no my bladder is absolutely shocking. So, I, you know, I need a, I need a service stop if I'm taking the little and a mile down the road to nursery in the morning. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a, a, a Weatherby stop. The the um, what's the pasty place? You know, just outside. Oh yes. Yeah, quality I think then. Cold, but yeah. Yeah, yeah no. I think it'll just be a coffee, a little drop of bean, I think, on the way to Barnsley. So no no um, artisan pizzas at Oakwell, I can't imagine. <laughs> We've dropped so many big names into this podcast here at the end. We have to make, make it clear that there are other food outlets you could uh, enjoy a meal at other than Greg's KFC. But if you want to throw any our way. Um, Craig, your scrub addiction for Barnsley? Yeah, I mean... It is going to be a difficult game. I don't like to be negative, and that's why I don't think we have predicted a defeat for Borough yet. But actually, this season, I think Borough tend to kind of they almost leave the best performances for when you're not expecting anything from them. Uh, and so, for that reason, I'm going to predict that it'll be a, a scrappy game, a difficult game. But they'll they'll kind of similar to Watford. They'll look to kind of you know keep keep them out, stifle them. Um, and 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 look to kind of either hit on the counter or hit on a on a set piece, and and I'm going to predict that they'll do that this week and and win one nil. If they win, are the play playoff hopes still alive? If other results go the way, or are we definitely saying not a chance? I think it would it would be a, a huge turnaround. I mean, bearing in mind as we see where they are now in the table, there's you know it's it's not just one team that they've got the leapfrog. They've got the leapfrog four, I think now, isn't it? And it's uh, it is a big a big gap. I mean, the five games that they've got they've got left are favourable games. Um, you know, you win win all six games, then who knows where they'll be um, after those six games, but. As as I think we've we've alluded to and, and Warnock mentioned the deer, there's there's kind of there's little evidence to suggest that they will win all six games this season uh, for the rest of this season, and that's why I, I really don't expect that uh, the playoffs will still be on for them now. Well, there we have it. Well, hopefully it's a win for Middlesbrough down at Barnsley. Thank you very much for tuning in to Tribe by your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast.